Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumter. Stacy, 268 shows. We haven't killed each other. That's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, we've, we've been practicing social distancing uh, long before it was in style, John, so I, I think we're good. You know, the radio show. <laughs> We we can have a couple arguments back and forth, but but we can always come back together the next week and start all over again. So yes, yeah, two hundred sixty one. I mean, long time over five years. Two hundred sixty eight. Two hundred sixty eight. It's amazing. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's so so how are you? <laughs> how how how's, how's solitary confinement treating you? Um, it's treating me well. I mean, things like I said last week are starting to open up here in North Carolina, but I'm uh, personally taking things very slow just to be on the safe side. Um, obviously, making sure everywhere I go, I am um, wearing my mask. Um, you know, you know, things are starting to open up a little bit when I'm finally able to order groceries again and get a slot to pick them up, where previously I couldn't do that at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. North Carolina is a little bit, you know, um, in this weird phase, I think, where a lot of the, the southern states are at. Um, we're starting to open up, um, but unlike, I think, in California and in New York and other areas, our numbers are continuing to rise here, um, both in the, the number of people who have COVID and the number of deaths. Um, now, our governor here is is very carefully watching that county by county and putting out numbers as to, to why they think that you know, at, in different regions, we should be able to open up versus others. But um, as a state as whole, we, we've hit some pretty significant numbers, um, just like our country, you know, hitting, you know, uh, the 100,000 mark this week. It's it's surreal to, to know that every time you walk out your door that there could be someone, in, you know, that you're interacting with who is, you know, you know the next person who has COVID, right? Just like any, any place else you were at prior to the lockdown. So, yeah. So, so this is a kind of a surreal existence right now. And how about you guys? I mean, I think I think California is being more cautious than anybody. Um, but are you doing any opening up at all at this point? Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be wise. Yeah. Um, um, the the opening is going slowly, and we are in. Um, a particularly um, um, aggressive part of the state. In terms, you know, the, Napa and Sonoma counties depend on tourism dollars, and so the counties are anxious to open back up. Uh, but it's but but what looks like speed here is not the same as what it looks like there. So the beaches are still closed, um, but you're allowed to go to a park. Um, we went to um, a restaurant that has a lot of picnic tables um, um, and and had dinner one night this week with a couple of the kids who we haven't been able to spend time with because of this so it was it was nice to do that but there's no big rush there's no big rush to open because because there's not any um, Right, and in the absence of a cure, um, uh, all you're doing is accelerating the next wave, and exactly. um, the the next wave could be terribly crushing. 
right now we've got we've got one in uh, who's who's a senior who we're going to go to his graduation in the car, get in line and drive by as he's getting his diploma, <laughs> and and another who's going to be a senior in college and the California State Universities have all um, closed to classrooms um, in the fall and so so he's yeah. going he's going to be watching TV um, yeah. <laughs> um, at, for his senior year he's going to be watching TV for his senior year so things are changing but it's but it's a new world now it's a new world it is yeah, yeah, and and a lot of the stuff that's going on in the HR space, right, is in reaction to what's going on in our personal lives and and in the healthcare community, and and to in reaction to the 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 just you know horrific numbers coming out from uh, of those who are who have lost their life and those who have been affected in other ways um, by the COVID nineteen crisis. Um, so it's it's this it's kind of this weird dynamic I think that we're all in where we're on one hand there's so much um, sadness and grief and I think you had you had you had talked about this that we were going to be going through this right so much sadness grief and and change going on in our country and in a lot of different ways at the same time so much innovation and opportunity and and sort of anxiety over what the next step will be so it's, it's just a, a weird mix of of differing emotions that I think everybody is facing on a daily basis, right? You, I know I go, I get up in the morning and I, I run through any gamut of emotions from sadness to despair, to exhilaration, to excitement, to opportunity, you know, you know, you know, interest to, you know, being able to write to, you know, getting to the end of the day and going, I'm just worn out from all this sort of back and forth ping ponging of emotions, right? I mean, I, I'm assuming it, you're feeling probably the same way. Everybody is, right? Yeah, it's 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 so so. One of the kids was talking to their doctor, and the doctor said that so so we're telemedicine heavy and have been using yeah. tele, telemedicine for a decade, and, and so so that's an easy transition. But what the doctors are dealing with is an enormous amount of stress. People, people, people are so. So the the uh, prescriptions for antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications are going through the ceiling um, as people try to make sense out of their bouncing emotions and a world where all of the boundaries have changed. So it's it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time. You know, and, and what you think? I think that I think you've got data here that says the number of people who have filed for unemployment claims since the first of March is forty million now. Yeah, forty million. That's what we're at. Uh, two point one more million. Uh, Amer- two point one million more Americans um, in just uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're at a fifteen percent unemployment rate in the U.S. That's an average. If you look at a state-by-state analysis, um, states like Nevada, Michigan, and Hawaii are closer to uh, 25 to 30%, right, Um, where other states like Connecticut, Minnesota, and Nebraska are much lower, right? But, yeah, we're we're at a point that we have not literally seen since 1940s and 30s. 
So, so this is a whole new world. And, and you know what, there was an interesting article not too long ago that I read that said that, that this is even a more a different economic downturn than what we might have faced in 2008 and 2009, where not only are people being laid off and, and while you're going through a layoff process, in many cases you're making the opportunity to sort of create a more lean organization and function, but we're also seeing a lot of people have their salaries um, reduced, which is an interesting thing, which has not happened in any other downturn in sort of recorded history, at least at this level, um, where people have taken um, pay cuts that people expect to, to stay pretty permanent for a while. Um, because there's been an economic theory that people will not be willing. They'd rather lose people within an organization than take a pay cut. Um, and that seems to be differing this, this time around, which means that a lot of the economic theories about how we'll bounce back from this, um, because those people who are taking pay cuts means they're not having discretionary money, which means they're not going to be spending you know, money in a, certain places. It kind of throws a lot of that stuff out the window. So, yeah, it's, it's, a little scary out there right now when it comes to, to employment opportunities, right? So it's it's crazy. So you said fifteen percent, but 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 the way that the unemployment rate is calculated is you take the number of people in the workforce, which is one hundred and sixty million, um, and and you use that as the the gross number, and then you divide the number of unemployment claims by the gross number to get the unemployment rate. And 40 million over 160 million is 25%. Wow. Um, and, um, and there were already another three and a half percent who were unemployed and looking for work. So, so the, the number, the number, the way that I see it is 28% nationally. Um, right, because it's 25% since the 1st of March, and it's the other 3% that have been there for a while. Um, and and so it's way worse than, than they're reporting. And, I, and I, I understand why they would do that. I understand why it's in the government's interest to obscure the depths of the crisis. But the numbers don't lie. Forty percent over one hundred and forty million over one hundred sixty million is twenty five percent plus the pre existing unemployment is twenty eight and a half twenty nine percent unemployment, um, and we still have more filing to do, and and so it's weird. Yeah. And you can imagine, you can imagine that everybody is scared because everybody has somebody in their family who's lost their job. I just talked One, to three people but, yesterday, yeah, who had who had both parties in their family who had lost their job or were losing their job over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If my number, if my thinking is right, one out of four people, one out of every four people has lost their job. Um, and you can live. I know people who live in big company bubbles. The top twelve or fifteen percent of of um, the employment marketplace works in these big giant companies um, and and they are more insulated from this than people who work in small business um, but that's a big that's 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 huge and what's interesting is 70% of the people who have lost their job believe that it's temporary and that they'll be going back to work um, yeah. right and and uh, 
And at the same time, at the same time, people were talking about these draconian pay cuts. And that same study from Sally.com that talked about pay cuts also um, says that 90% of managers believe that they're bringing their people back. And this just, you, you can't do you, it. You can't put 40 million people back to work. <laughs> it's way easier to hire, fire them than it is to bring them back. And so, so I think I think we're going to be I think we're going to see some very um, unhappy people come the first of July. Yeah. No, I I I think that July and August are going to be a really hard time for our country in a way that I, I don't think we've seen in a while. One, at that point in time, we're going to start to lose some of the government benefits unless they get new things passed that are supporting a lot of these people who've been laid off with additional funding, right? Um, there are many people we know in the market, especially at, who were in minimum wage jobs or even working part-time, who are getting more money while they're being laid off because of the federal additional federal funding than they got through sort of the uh, being employed, right? So we're seeing some of that happen, which is having an impact on people being willing to come back right now. But then as that money starts to go away and people start to look to come back to work, the question is, can you bring them all back at the pace? Will there be the kind of work that we expect? And I think that answer comes down to, will people be comfortable going out the way they have been? Um, and, you know, I think people have been cooped up right now. So you're seeing a bit of a demand and there's a lot of people out and about but once we start to see the rising numbers again in the fall until we get a um, uh, some sort of a cure or some sort of a antidote to what's going on with the COVID virus, then you're going to start to see people get scared again and go back to, to sort of sheltering in place on their own if they have the ability to do that, right? Yeah. Um... It's, it's, I, I, think, I think people's assumptions are going to get shaken terribly as, as we move forward. Now, I have seen some stuff that suggests that, that the next wave won't be as dramatic initially because so many people are going outside, and this doesn't mm-hmm. really spread outside. It spreads in offices. It spreads in churches. It spreads in concerts. It spreads at sporting events. It spreads in hair salons and nail nail parlors and uh, physical therapy offices, but it doesn't spread in parks if people practice decent social distancing in the park. And I, I don't know if you've seen the the pictures of the San Francisco parks over the weekend last weekend, but they they chalk mark six foot circles, and and you could take your people and sit inside of the circle. Yeah, but they enforce not sitting outside of the circle. So, so, so it looks it looks like a great big giant piece of of Swiss cheese uh, with all of these circles stamped in it and all this empty space around the circles, unlike the beaches on the East Coast or the beaches in Southern California, where they are packed right now. I can't say at all. I've seen the the pictures coming out, of, and even in our parks, I mean, it is really hard because they're just not big enough, right? To to have that kind of space in some cases. Um, and so, yeah, you do see, but I think people are trying, still trying. 
Now, what's interesting is, I mean, you know, the, the, we, a lot of studies are coming out right now. I think, I think we've, we've gotten through the point where people are like, okay, I feel like I, I've got enough data, right, you know, to start to share it. Um, so you're seeing a number of vendors who have done studies, a number of, of business organizations who have done studies around what people are, are, are seeing. And so we are starting to see some interesting data come out about, you know, the percentage of organizations who have furloughed versus the percentage who have, feel they're going to be bringing people back, like you were talking off, right? Um, uh, layoffs were done by about 32% of organizations in this um, salary.com or, uh, survey that they had done um, of the organizations who had done anything at that point in time, right, um, with 10% indicating that those layoffs were permanent, which meant the remainder of them said that they felt like they were going to be bringing people back or most of the people back. I think you had an interesting commentary of could they bring everybody back um, that we had been talking about, just the, the sheer numbers of bringing everybody back all at once in an environment where we've got social distancing, in an environment where we have um, a shift in how people might interact with these businesses, right? Um, do you go to a restaurant or do you just continue to order out from it, that kind of a thing? Do you think that we are prepared for how you bring back 40 million workers if you even want to at that point, right? Oh, I, th I, think, I think that this is going to be understood as the moment at which people shifted into newer, more technical roles, right? This is this is this is a the the Great Depression was a key um, accelerator of the trend towards industrial life. You know, in the yeah. in the at the end at the end of the um, uh, at the end of the nineteenth century, the majority of people still lived on farms, and by um, by by 1940, people were were in factories. Um, yeah. And, and so we're gonna. I don't know what you call the next thing. I don't know what you call the next thing, but this is it. <laughs> and and <laughs> and so and so so you know of the all of the restaurant workers who are unemployed, 75 percent of the wait staff is not going to have their jobs back. Um, and of all of the hotel and hospitality workers who are unemployed, a very minor percentage are going to have their jobs back because who's going to stay in a hotel? How do you know that the place is clean? How do you know you're not going somewhere where you're going to get sick? Um, <laughs> so, the, so that's not going to... Um, um, Hurry. That's not that's not going to hurry up in the change. But those people need to work, and there are jobs available. There's a lot of demand available in places that are not restaurants or hospitality, particularly healthcare and, and distribution. Um, and so, uh, so, so people are going to make the transition. People are going to make the yeah. transition now because there isn't any choice. Yeah, Amazon announced this week that they're going to make 70% of the temporary workforce that they've hired for this um, crisis um, intervention uh, permanent. So basically they are roughly hiring 3,000 hires per day. Um, they're saying 125,000 of those hires were the temporaries um, and that um, 
you know, they're currently at, I think I saw the number, I want to make sure, it's, yeah, Amazon has 840,000 employees full and part-time at the end of last quarter. Um, and the real possibility is that they will be crossing 1 million marks sometime in 2020. Um, so I think you're correct. I mean, the, and at the same time, we're also seeing, as we mentioned last week, a lot of, of labor conversations about how those workforces are being managed and addressed. Um, and, and they have a lot more um, opportunity to have a voice in this kind of environment. You know, especially as those jobs become more critical for the economy getting back on its feet, right? Yep. Yep. It's 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 so so so. I think that the world is going to start to reconsider what job boards are, and um, uh, this this is a time where the job board is liable to be a a necessary vehicle because people in the restaurant business don't necessarily know where and how to look for work. People in the hospital, if it's not inside of another restaurant, right? It's easy. It's easy to look for work inside of your industry. It's hard to look for work outside of your industry. And, and so, so we're going to see, we're going to see job boards that help people make those sorts of transitions. Uh, Which means we're going to, we're probably going to see more investment there, right? Well, that's you know the, um, the there was a there was an article that that was widely circulated in the job board world a couple of weeks ago from Andreessen Horowitz, the the premier venture capital company, um, suggesting that the best place to make investments in HR was niche job boards. Now, now the article was the article was heavily panned by people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> and, and 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 it may be that, that the problem that we're facing right now is that there are a lot of people who know what they're talking about and um and what they know and what they know that they're talking about is no longer relevant. That that we have actually entered a a time and space where the fact that you're an expert is your single biggest handicap rather than your single single biggest asset. Mm, yeah. Well, well, I do think. I mean, I think what 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 we're going to experience here will be interesting. You know, in the two thousand seven two thousand eight timeframe, um, you know, we definitely saw job boards change what they were. Right. We that was the was the moment when we when we had all these people out of work, where job boards started to cater towards the 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 person who was looking for the job and trying to help them figure out how they, they, they looked for jobs a little differently. Right. Um, and the same way I think you're talking about now, but we also saw companies had to change a bit. Um, you know, in the midst of an economic downturn, you did not want to be seen as the company that was excessively throwing parties or excessively, you know, giving out big bonuses or, you know, so there was, there was a, a demeanor and, a, and an expectation about brands that shifted as well, right? You know, one of the big um, things that we're seeing, I think, happen in the market right now, too, is companies trying to reestablish their brands throughout this pandemic as being more caring, more interested in um, helping their employees, more interested in helping the world in general, right? 
um, which is a little counter to, you know, what we saw with the, the, the last couple of, of years where things have been on, we're on this roller coaster ride of doing really well. So, you know, anything coming out of the high tech space or anything where we're getting a chance to, to have an a innovative work environment is, is more exciting and interesting than the actual sort of culture of the company on some level, right? I mean, do you think that these job boards will start to give some <clears throat> relevance to being um, an, uh, tools that help you understand the culture a little bit better in, in light of the fact that this is a downturn because of a pandemic and not just because it's you know, just an economic shift? That's a, that's a good question. I think I think what you're going to see is that um, job boards start to get better at predicting the likelihood that you'll succeed in the job that you're applying for. Right. You know, remember, remember, this is me, right? And 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 I think I think that artificial intelligence is going to weave its way into all sorts of things very rapidly now, and. And the job board that's driven by artificial intelligence that that assesses the performance prospects of a person um, is going to be different. So that means that that means that the job boards that used to just provide unfiltered quality are now going to be able to make some sort of predictions. And this opens all sorts of all sorts of questions about managing bias and understanding the flow of people from the job board to the company. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, at the same time, we're also seeing, I think, some some interesting partnerships being made, um, not only in the job board space, but in the overall HR technology space, right? So one of the big announcements this week that I think is, is worth noting is that Workday made a huge announcement that they are now partnering with Salesforce.com to help organizations safely return to work. And I thought this was an interesting announcement. Not only, I mean, Salesforce has been doing um, some really interesting work on their work.com site, which was originally meant to be, I think, an HR platform and had sort of changed a little bit to, to sort of morph into a couple of other things. And now Salesforce is sort of using that platform to, to help sort of uh, develop tools within their environment that are doing contact tracing and are doing um, workforce management type of tracking for um, organizations who, who need to do that in the sales environment, um, as well as sort of understanding who your employees are and, and what their needs are, those kind of things, right? Um, using their extended platform to, to bring together people who have sort of built tools to support the, the COVID crisis. Um, and Workday has decided that they are partnering with Salesforce. What they have explicitly said in this kind of a partnership relationship is that they're not partnering with one of the other organizations who they're tightly connected with, which is ServiceNow, who's doing a, sim a similar type of sort of let's pull together a bunch of, of, of things to, to sort of help and support organizations bring together a COVID response. Um, we're also seeing at the same time they're making this announcement that Workday is also announcing the general availability of their Workday Extend, which is their platform as a service solution, which means um, people can build modules on top of the Workday environment in a way that they have not previously been able to um, outside of just sort of the, the few that Workday has given that to. Again, all in response to, I think, this idea that we need to rethink how these platforms are working together, right, which is, I think, kind of what you're saying on the job boards, too. We have to rethink what the role of that job board might be, right? 
Right. So, so, so I love I love this announcement. I love it particularly because there's a new workday tagline that that uh, the source of truth for real time worker information and skills insights for today's dynamic workforce. Now, there's there's an aspirational goal. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's there's an aspirational goal, but but. It's it's unclear to me that um, that that people will find the workday skills cloud and the Salesforce reopening businesses stuff the, the intersection between those two things. What do you think that is? I, I have I have a hard time I, yeah. really getting the relevance. Of the deal, I get I get the power of the press release, but 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 I don't I don't understand um, how work poses to be a part of reopening. Well, I mean, and I think that's been part of their challenge, right? As as a, as a a system that is sort of fundamentally about sort of current employees, um, they had a gap, particularly with with, with the workforce management space, right? Where they didn't exactly have all the tools you needed to to sort of bring people back to work in the way you need to on a safe and safe way, and what Salesforce has in the fact that they track people outside of a work environment. That's what the CRM really is: is, is tracking everyone else that you have in your organization on some level connections with that are not um, you know part of your company. You really need the intersection of both of those things, I think, to handle this back. To work conversation because there's an element of data and processes and tools that have to be held away from your your HR and your finance data and I think so my sense is this is a way for Workday to to have a little bit of both of those things um, and 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 not have to go through creating a whole extended you know model right now right yeah so so. So what is that? I still don't get what that means in terms of practical application. That's 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 a um, <laughs> a um, well doesn't really matter. We'll 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 see we'll see how it unfolds. And and and, and the fact that Workday and Salesforce are are collaborating is the interesting news here. Yes, exactly. That's that, that's, that's, a, that's a big that's a big deal piece of news. What they're doing, it doesn't sound like they actually know what they're doing, but but, but that they're doing it is a pretty important thing. Yeah. yeah. We we also sort of I think you know have mentioned a couple of of, of studies, um, the salary.com study, the paycheck um, a study as well uh, today as well. There's another study. Um, about uh, UK small businesses that we've sort of been referencing a little bit here too, so we'll probably note those studies um, when we when we publish the the information on the uh, uh, radio show today because um, we've been sort of throwing around stats from various parts of those studies. But all of them, I think, are along these lines of how do we think about next steps? What do we what are people doing? What are they planning on doing? Um, and so we're going to see more of that probably over the next couple of weeks too. Yep. So, welcome to the summer of the pandemic, and yes. thanks for taking the time to do this, Stacey. 
Thanks for listening in, everybody. Um, you have been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. And we'll see you back here same time next week. And now hear those Irish guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>